Ladies and gentlemen, it's the nighttime show. Today we have our head writer, Matt Walker. I'm the voice of the nighttime show, Mike Black. We have a very special guest, the executive producer of Cosmos, creator of Salem, writer and producer of Star Trek, The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and creator of Enterprise, Brennan Braga. And now, the host of the nighttime show, a man who no hugs can be enough for, Mr. Stephen Kramer Glickman! Yes, I need constant hugs. What's going on? How are we doing? <laughs> Everybody good? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, we're all very excited. We have a, a guest today that uh, I think we've all been a fan of for a very long time. How are you feeling, Matt? Are you you ready? I am so excited. He's Matt. Matt's been prepping for this his entire life. <laughs> my entire life. His entire life. Literally my Matt's entire face. life. He's got a lot riding on this. <laughs> it's really, there's no pressure. Mike, how are you feeling? Are you feeling in the game? I'm, I'm very good. I wrote home, told everyone back home about this. Terrific. They're, they're just pleased as punch for me. They don't know what it means, but they know it's a big deal to me. <laughs> right. So Hilarious. they're very happy. <laughs> well, uh, let us uh, welcome our guest for today, uh, Brennan Braga. How we doing? Hey, buddy. Doing good. Wow. Doing good. Thank you so much for being with us. It's such a big deal for us. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Good. Uh, please, uh, let us, let's, let's start uh, at the beginning. What, how did you get into this business and what inspired you to, to get into it? Well, I started, uh, I was in film school at UC Santa Cruz because I couldn't get into UCLA. <laughs> and it turned out to be a very good program. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do when I, I, I actually didn't graduate. <clears throat> didn't I couldn't fill, fulfill the math requirement. But um, <laughs> That makes me feel so <laughs> much better about my, about my math skills right now. Especially um, from a guy who went on to make all kinds of science shows. Yeah. Even well, better. you know. But were they all way over budget because of that? <laughs> yeah, because exactly, I couldn't do, I couldn't do the math. Uh, but uh, I wanted to be a filmmaker. You know, television was not really in my mind at all. Um, I wanted to make write and direct movies, but there was like who a, were some of your influences coming up? Oh, um, I mean the the usual suspects. Uh, I, I loved Roman Polanski's movies. Yeah. I loved. Uh, um, Alfred Hitchcock movies, um, any kind of horror. I was a huge horror fan. Really? You know? yeah. What kind of what kind of horror stuff? Oh, all horror. Okay. I mean, uh, my first horror experience was when I was I think I was six years old. I saw a movie called Tales from the Crypt. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, oh nice. I was way back in the seventies. That was the sixties version one. of it, yeah. right? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. I think Joan Collins was in it or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like a. a, a they were all vignettes. Vignettes. Right? Yeah. 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 And. Uh, and um, I fell in love with horror then. You know, I had formative experiences like seeing Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, mm -hmm. when I was 13. And oh, yeah. seeing the audience's reaction. Was That's like, like the perfect age for that movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I was either going to You know just enough. I was you either going to become a filmmaker or a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Why not both? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, he hasn't been caught yet. Yeah. He's, he's very successful. <laughs> <We don't know. laughs> um, but I saw this poster. I just happened to walk by this poster uh, that was uh, kind of promoting a, an internship program through the Academy of TV Arts and Sciences. They do the Emmys every year. And it, 
looked prestigious, and there was a television script writing category. Mm-hmm. There were like 29 categories. And I thought, well, I'll apply to this. And I applied, and um, I was a finalist, and I, I, did, I, was, I didn't get it. How old were you when this happened? I think it was 24. Okay. Oh, wow. And then when I was 25, I applied again, and I got it. Wow. And they just happened to place me on Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, my God. And I, this was at, toward the end of the third season where um, the showrunner and my mentor, Michael Piller, had really just cleaned house. Okay. There were no writers left except for one, uh, a staff writer named Ron Moore. Now, were you a big Star Trek fan at the time? I, w- I wasn't. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was more of a horror guy. All right. I liked, yeah. I mean, I, there were certain science fiction films I, I liked. Sure. I, I'd never, to be honest with you, I'd never seen Star Trek up to that mm-hmm. point. I was kind of the same way, actually, at that <laughs> point, uh, you know, with, before Next Generation came Well, out. yeah, actually, I, I did, I had seen a couple of the movies, <clears throat> like yeah. the uh, um, the Whales movie. Yeah. I yeah. really liked Star Trek number four. Wrath of Khan was great. Sure. And I saw the pilot to Next Generation, but it was such a, a, a kind of a turnoff. I think I was too young for Wrath of Khan because when the earworm thing happened, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> That's too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was not ready was for that. It was a hell of an earworm. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty scary. Um, so I, I, there, I, I was in the right place at the right time. Um, I fell in love with Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I saw it the way I saw it was kind of as an anthology show. You know, where you can yeah. tell any kind of story, mm-hmm. anything, in, in any genre, actually, that you uh, could think up. You know, the, yeah. I think one of the great inventions Gene Roddenberry brought to that show was the holodeck. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't like the holodeck. Oh, yeah. That's but great. I thought it was very visionary. I mean, it was virtual reality in, well, 19, yeah. in 1987 when that was just really yeah. being touched upon. Yeah, he touched on the holodeck in the Star Trek animated series. Oh, there's really? an episode where there's actually basically a holodeck. In the animated series, which, being the Star Trek nerd yeah. that I am, I, I remember. But uh, that was sort of like the first version of that that had ever been seen. And then I think it was written about in a couple of the books in the seventies. They had references to it. Yeah. And then, but when you first see it in action, oh, it, was it was so great so on that cool. show. Like you know, even from the the opening time when you're going in, there's people on horseback and whatever in the yeah. in the pilot. And then later on with all the detective stories they used to do in yeah, there it and all that stuff. It was it up so the much. Sherlock Holmes stories you were able to do with the holodeck was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I, when I walked into that, those offices for the first time as an intern, I never could have predicted that 15 years later I would be turning the lights off on, yeah. on mm-hmm. the, on the whole television yeah. at, franchise at that Jeez. time. So I w- yeah, I was there for, on, for 15 years. Oh my God. I never left the building. That's outrageous. <laughs> Just moved in. That's amazing. But it was yeah. a pretty massive empire by the time you got to that point, too. Though. Actually, when I got like, there, the um, finale, the Borg finale, yeah. was just about to air. And that's when things started to catch fire for that show. Yeah. Really kicked in. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I mean, I, I saw the pilot. I didn't really like the show um, right. when I saw it when it first came out in 1980. I think it was 87. Yeah. But people would say, Hey, you should watch Next Generation. It's really it got really good. Right. Yeah, and, there was a point where it seemed like Picard changed. Well, he went from like when it first started off, it was grumpy. like every episode they'd have problems and he'd be like, "All right, I surrender." 
Yeah. Every episode, it was like he was he was like I give up the ship, just like on uh, you know kind of the early the early yeah. parts of uh, Voyager where uh, Captain Janeway's like, all right, self destruct, let's do it. Both the ship. <laughs> you know, the, it was sort of like the opposite uh, reactions there, but uh, yeah, but there was a point where he really became he kicked like, in and became a, a great leader captain, and, and I yeah. was yeah. like, I haven't given this show a chance in a while. I'm going to start again, and then it it just got better and better and better, you know. What 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 was the uh, the relationship like between the show and the network? Was the network always behind the show the whole time, or did you guys ever feel pressure from them? Well, it was a syndicated show at yeah. that time. Um, right. The first network Star Trek was the original on NBC, but Next Generation was syndicated, so we, there was a huge syndication market at the time. That was that. Sort of affiliated with UPN in some way? No, UPN. No, that was the later shows? That uh, Voyager launched that network. Okay. But um, we had a studio, uh, Paramount Pictures, but they just they didn't quite know what to make of Star Trek. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, we never really got notes from anybody. Um, That's kind of cool. That's yeah, I got spoiled when I went out into the <laughs> real world. It was brutal. Yeah. Um, but, uh Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a huge change. Yeah, I'm we sure never got any notes. Like we, I mean, I I could count on one hand the times we got notes on. That's awesome. In the fifteen years I was there. Now the cast on that show was so good. Oh yeah. I mean, looking back, it's almost sort of like fortuitous that you were able to get all those people in one place at one time. Because I I look back, I, I recently went through a binge. I finished about a year ago where I rewatched every episode of every series of Star Trek and all the movies. Rewatched. It took me nine months. Of Not watching like, this like four or five yeah. episodes a night. Like it was that was all he was doing. Like every time they asked me, they're like, I wasn't doing stand up, I was watching Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek. You probably know more about the show so than I, I watched them all. <laughs> and when I, when I went back and I rewatched everything, I was like, how did Brent Spiner not win every award for acting ever? Like I was like, this <laughs> guy's so amazing. He should have won Oscars for uh, Generations. Uh, he should have won Oscar, an Oscar for First Contact. Should have won a couple Emmys for what he did on uh, Next Generation. Like the yeah. the breadth of what he did with multiple characters. He's singing. He's doing things where he's like the the stone voice, stone faced android. He's laughing when Q's around. All kinds of stuff. I mean, it was amazing. Well, when you the work look at he did. his arc from the very first yeah uh, Next Generation pilot to where he was by the end of the whole series. It's really an incredible body of work. Yeah. You, you must know. have a good relationship with him because you brought him back for Threshold, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, short-lived science fiction show. And yeah. he was in Enterprise, in one of my favorite yeah. story arcs in Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. like a yeah. three-part episode. Yeah. <clears throat> Explaining yeah, just, the origins of why Klingons look the way they do. And I have to thank you for that because as a fan, <laughs> I was like, why do they look that way? And then you've – Enterprise is such an underrated show by Star Trek fans, I have to say. Because that one, when I rewatched everything, I was like – why was I not more into the show when it was on? Because watching yeah. it now, I was like, this show's incredible. And they tie up all the loose ends that were left out there by all the other <laughs> series. They go back and they're like, let's explain why this is the way it is. And I was like, thank you for that. Because I always, like, you never really knew why Klingons looked the way they did. And then you explained it, and it makes so much perfect sense. It's awesome. So, Yeah, I mean, speaking of Emmys, uh, the Next Generation was nominated for Best Dramatic Series for an Emmy uh, mm-hmm. one really? year, uh, which was kind of like uh, a great acknowledgement mm-hmm. because yeah. a syndicated so, science fiction show. Syndicated sci-fi? Yeah, yeah, they don't um, get stuff like that ever. <clears throat> no, it was – and it was – television, of course, was very different than – there were three networks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, four with Fox, I guess. Uh, but uh, we lost to a show called Picket Fences, a David <laughs> Kelly show. I remember that show. Oh, wow. And yeah. That show's not – I mean, yeah, nobody remembers it. 
Yeah. This is the first time it's been mentioned in the last eight years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm still bitter. So. Was that Tom Skerritt on that show? Sure. I think it was. Let's, for their sake, let's say. And I think yeah, Lauren Holly. Yeah, well, absolutely. Quickly, yeah. Well, so you, you just recently watched all the episodes. Yes. And yes so if way, you have I, any questions about yes. Star Trek. I have some questions. Yeah, if you have questions, he'll answer them. You can ask Matt. Please. First of all, uh, thank you for the comments about Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, th- I I love that show. And, you know, yeah. there were some issues with it. I, there the theme wasn't, song. It wasn't perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of them. But That's uh, the only issue I have with it. That's the only um, one. I kind of liked it. It was a guilty <laughs> pleasure, you secretly, but I kind of liked it. Secretly yeah. They secretly a tear it. in your eye whenever. I think it was yeah. either season three or season yeah, four. We, you did like a remix of it. Embarrass, embarrassing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and actually, in the, uh, in the alternate universe episode, you went with a different theme that opened it. Yeah. Well, they also, uh, that, that was the episode that's where that, the, that, where Zephyr Cochran blew the Klingons away yeah, with the shotgun. Yeah, it was shotgun. so awesome. It was great. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, the Vulcans. The Vulcans yeah, when the they Vulcans, came in. Yeah. And it also had the T'Pol versus Hoshi fight, which was the hottest scene in the history of Star Trek, by the way. <laughs> hottest um, scene ever. But what my question for you is, what's your favorite uh, of all the series? If you can, if you have uh, Okay, I love them all for different reasons. Uh, because, like, my favorite characters are Quark and Q. Maybe it's just because I like people start with Q. But those are my yeah. two favorite characters. Uh but I would say Next Generation is probably my first one that I love the most because I've seen it the most. That's the one they still air on BBC America, and I still watch What's it. What's like the first every day. Star Trek you got into? I watched the original series when I was a when I was a kid. It was on in reruns late and out on Channel Five here in LA, and I used to watch it when I was like in elementary school. But I didn't really get it that well. And then uh, Next Generation started right when I was in like the eighth grade. Yeah. So it was like the right age so to really start watching. It, it's been around long enough that people have there. There are people, a lot of people people who enterprise for instance or yeah. voyager is their show i think the first yeah. one you watch tends to be the one you like the exactly. most. exactly i remember watching star trek uh next generation where like my dad was so obsessed with star trek next generation that he had his desk in his office built to look like uh <laughs> picard's. like picard's desk oh that's amazing uh, and he had uh giant statues of things all over his office and it was it was like it was one of those things like as a kid you're like that's just like kind of you even as a kid you're like this is kind of crazy like this is like yeah. a crazy thing but then like as a grown-up i've gone back and i've watched next generation i watched voyager and, and enterprise and i'm a huge scott Bakula fan so getting a chance to watch him as part of that universe so so cool and yeah. we went back and we, um for when me and mike worked together on a project and we watched deep space nine and and like yeah. went back and just like took it all in and um but but probably uh next generation like going when you go back and you rewatch it there's like so amazing there's amazing stuff that happens on that show brings up on a, those shows uh, actors such a stupid question but um <laughs> On the final episode of Enterprise, were you mm-hmm. tempted to have Scott Bakula leap out and into someone else on a different show? <laughs> <laughs> was it? Not at all. We, <laughs> no, we definitely talked about that. Oh, um, God. If he woke up in bed next to Bob Newhart's <laughs> wife. <laughs> well, I, I like the, what that they do with the, the end of Enterprise, actually. The, the flashback to the episode with Riker and he's having the moral dilemma. <laughs> yeah. uh, the only problem is that Riker was visually like he didn't look because i then i re- I went back and i rewatched that episode yeah. from like 12 years before whatever <laughs> right, it was yeah. and you say okay well 
he looks much different now. Like I get what they were doing. It's just he looked right. a lot older at that time. Like, it, it was really cool. Though. Well, craft, it was actually craft services weren't kind. <laughs> well, they were everywhere. They were very kind. It actually looked like he'd, he'd eaten the Enterprise. <laughs> 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 I like that we were all too afraid yeah. to say it. We were all just like, oh, that's no, so I, no, good. The, 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 I love John. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, it's interesting, that final episode, it, it was kind of a clever premise, which is that it, it was really a, an episode of Next Generation. Yes. Looking on the holodeck at Enterprise. But um, the, the fans didn't really respond to it. And it was the only time Scott Bakula ever got pissed off. Really? Really? Wow. What did he get upset? How did he get upset? The whole cast did actually, because they wanted the finale to be an Enterprise finale, mm-hmm. and yeah, and, that makes sense. And, I, makes and sense I was trying to do. Rick yeah, it was Bur- a next generation flashback. Well, we were trying to. It was a valent. You know, Rick Berman and I just finished fifteen and eighteen years respectively. We wanted to bid farewell mm-hmm. a Valentine to all of Star Trek. Yeah. Wow. And um, but so I understand why they were upset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, when you were working on Next Generation, was where where's the timeline with uh, Gene Bronberry as far as him being around or him not being around? When oh, yeah. when did he pass? Um, I, I did meet Gene. Uh, he was not he didn't he wasn't particularly well at the time I met him, and he was not um, super involved. He was kind of uh, phasing himself out. I can't remember the exact year that he passed away. It probably was ninety one, ninety two. Oh, so it was after you were working on the. Yeah, yeah I've been, I think on, it was ninety two. Yeah, I'd been on. Might the, have been ninety three because I remember I was in high school at the time. No, actually, no, it was before ninety three. It had to be ninety two because I wore a black armband to high school that day when he wow. when he passed. I remember. Yeah, it was a, a couple years. Um, I was a couple years in on the show. Um, I, I did go to his funeral. Um, it was. Uh, yeah. Now there was, uh, it's kind of lore now about an edict that he left where the human characters couldn't fight anymore. Uh, yeah, there were there were several edicts when I got there. Uh, no time travel. Okay. Um, no dream sequences. Wow. Certain things, rules of which I immediately broke. broke. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know what's, what's yeah. what was interesting though because. The no time travel thing, as I recall, had something to do with him just thinking it was just a step too far. It's just not really that believable. Of mm-hmm. course, City on the Edge of Forever yeah. being right. one of the best Star Trek best episodes at? of yeah. all time. Yeah. Um, but it forced some writers like myself to be inventive. So the mm-hmm. first time travel story I did was about the crew caught in a repeating loop of time. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, and it's like I got away with it with because it wasn't. It's, it, it it's is time really travel, but time it, travel, but it is. But yeah. it is yeah. time travel. Yeah. When, uh, but yeah, he had in the the character conflict thing. Um, a lot of writers chafed under that edict because you yeah. know where's the drama? Well, go find another show to work on because yeah. one of the premises of Star Trek is that humans got their shit together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the conflict is is through their interaction with aliens who are the metaphors mm-hmm. for our problems today. Yeah. And um eventually we would muster up some conflict uh between the characters in Deep Space Nine, which for the record I did not work on. I just did yeah. oh. Voyager Enterprise and okay. sure. Next Gen. But uh it, it it got more conflictual as time went on. But I actually really embraced the idea that this, these people respected each other and they didn't get into petty fights about stuff. If Picard got in an argument with someone, it was something big. 
Hey guys, uh, you gotta check this out. There's this new app that I'm using and I'm obsessed with it. It's called Yo Shirt. And uh, you can get it. Yeah, you can get on your phone. You gotta try this thing. It's super, super cool. What does it do? Okay, so Yo Shirt is the app for creating one of a kind apparel and accessories on your iPhone. What? Yes, I mean, you can take a picture of a comic book cover, your favorite comic book, Mike, okay? Take a picture of that. One of your uh, famous Instagram photos that you do of like action figures fighting each other. Photography. Take one of those pictures (laughs) and you can turn it into a t shirt you can wear at Comic Con or at any at any con or at anything any day of the week. It doesn't even have to be. It doesn't have to be a Comic Con. It could be anything. Can you take a picture of an ex con and get that on a shirt? You can put an ex con on a shirt. What else can you put on a shirt? Ex girlfriend, you can put on a shirt. Mm -hmm. Anything with an ex. Shaka Con. Shaka Con, you can put on a shirt. Whatever you want. This thing is incredible. Uh, now, when you when you put it on the app, is that it? You just print up a boring old picture? No, 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 no. You can you can do all sorts of stuff to customize your designs with stickers, backgrounds, text, whatever you want. You can and share your creations. Shirts. You can only just do shirts. Shirts. no. You, there's so many different. You gotta check out this app, guys. You what guys. Shirts? There's sweaters. There's leggings. There's underwear. There's tote bags. There's socks. Now a lot of these apps try to rip people off. You give them your financial information. Oh no no. These guys are incredibly secure, super fast. It's a secure checkout with Apple Pay. Oh. All right. Now, uh, this is a quick note to our listeners because I know we have listeners all over the world. Uh, Yo shirt ordering and shipping is currently only available in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, but if you are a fan of Yo shirt and you're in another country, we're going to be getting cool like Yo shirt stuff. And if mm-hmm. you let us know that you live in another country, we'll ship it to you as a gift. Uh, you are sure to impress your friends and your family when you express yourself with Yo shirt. Guys, uh, don't forget to check it out. It's a super cool app. YoShirt.com. That's YoShirt.com. YoShirt.com. Tell all your friends. Can I ask you a question? And uh, you might have to be very diplomatic in your answer, but what do you think about J.J. Uh, blowing up Vulcan? Well, I thought I thought it was very clever. I mean, it, he was able to reboot the franchise and kind of create an alternate universe. Yeah. Uh, the, um, so I it didn't bother me at all, and I thought uh, that first movie was um, a blast. It bothers me, but that's okay. Well, it bothered <laughs> you know the guy I saw it with, my best friend who is a huge Star Trek fan. Um, he, he was he was uh, furious about the whole. I was the, like, the whole thing. he well, he made a universe where Tuvok never gets to exist, and that bothers me. Well, well but we it's, don't know. For it's sure. an alternate. It's a parallel universe that kind of <laughs> yeah. went off in its yeah. own. Sure, and, it's, and I it, like that it doesn't negate anything that happened in the Star Trek. No, it actually, know, if you, you know. really think about it, has mm-hmm. nothing to do. Yeah, it's right. separate. So when you right. get into if, if you want to get deep into fan stuff sure what's canon and what's not mm-hmm. yeah and is jj abrams alternate reality canon well your answer will probably lie go to a star trek convention are people dressed as those characters yeah not a lot of them and mm-hmm. the, you know the, i do the big vegas convention every year sure, you haven't yeah. been yeah. You, you, you this is the go, 50th one right this is the 50th anniversary it's it, we're totally going to go. When, I think when this is, is going to be my first one it's in august sometime oh, we'll, yeah, we'll go. it's like That'll five days but it's yeah. It's a trip, but uh, I, you know, I the movie was. He, I thought it was great. It, what, it, what did you feel about the second one? I had more mixed feelings about the second one. I, I yeah. thought it was a little. Um, I mean, look, from a directing point of view, it, it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. The sound design on those movies. It's yeah. funny. Oh yeah. I I I had asked. I think it was David Lindelhoff, who did the sound design. It turned out to be this guy. I can't remember his name. 
who's done the sounds for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. He invented all the sounds for Star Wars, he, oh. and and all, a whole bunch of movies. I that you're like, oh my god, he did that. He did that. He like created the sounds of our oh sure of oh, yeah. our childhood yeah, 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 uh, and yeah. adolescence. I'm forgetting his name, but I know it. Uh, but anyway, the, the 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 movie was extremely well made. I just found that the uh, it to be slightly pandering. Um, to the a little cannibalistic, I should say, pandering's on. We're a little yeah. cannibalistic, kind of doing uh, rehashing Wrath of Khan, yeah. um, but this time uh, uh, Kirk dies, and not Spock, yeah. mm-hmm. but not really. It's just I'm not sure what the point was. You, you know, know. And by the way, the one movie that I don't think you touch. Yeah, is Khan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's sort of the yeah. iconic one with the iconic character as a as a villain is Ricardo Montalban as well, Khan. Also, the and, and unless I miss something, I only saw the movie once. To me, the thing that fueled uh, Star Trek Two was Khan's personal vengeance against mm-hmm. Kirk. Right. Yeah. Right. When that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no emotional connection in in the movie, right. so I don't think it was as successful. Having said that. It's a great cast. Yes. Really well, I, I felt yeah. like I, I'm a I'm a big J.J. Abrams fan, and I I think he's a I think he's a great guy, and, and makes some really interesting movies. And and I when I when I went and saw Force Awakens, and I know we're jumping from Star Trek to Star Wars, but when I saw Force Awakens, and they in the first time I saw the movie, and they killed off Han Solo at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you care, you've seen it yeah. by now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like emotionally depressed for, a, I'm not kidding you, like 10 hours. Like yeah. after watching it, I was like the whole, that whole night I went home and I just felt like shit all night. And I was like, why are you messing with, like you have so many things you can mess with. Like why, why take, like it's the same. And it's, he does that a lot of times. And I don't know if it's, just JJ, or if it's just a thing that that guys do when they make movies. Sometimes, now, Stephen. To be fair, yeah. Did you take Captain Kirk's death as hard? You know what? But I was upset about that, <laughs> and I was upset about the vol- like them blowing up Vulcan in the same way where it's like, yeah. just invent a new fucking planet. Like be <laughs> a little, be extra creative, <laughs> make something else, and destroy that thing. Like yeah. or kill off another character that that is not like a legend, you know, to <laughs> us. Like. Why it, it seems very it that, I mean the use so don't of, do anything dramatic is what you're <laughs> no, saying no 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 I mean like that that they kind of feel like they have to kill their darlings a little bit or kill like their their best things <laughs> I mean like if they, they could have shot like if if he would have if it wouldn't if have been killed Han Solo, Alak Bar instead look I'm not kidding you when I saw <laughs> when I saw Star Wars and they and they shot Chewbacca in the shoulder and he went down. He was like, oh, my, sh- oh, my shoulder. Right? I didn't say that, but he said something. Oh, right. <laughs> when that happened, I was like, um, I was like, uh, what are you doing? Like, in my everything in me was like, why are you doing that? Yeah, the first yeah. time a stormtrooper hits something, it's Chewbacca? Really? You're like, what yeah. are you, why are you shooting a character that I love? Like, it just, it, it, <laughs> I'm very much. You're too protective. You're too I'm invested. very protective. And I feel it's the like, same way about watching Star Trek is that. When they introduce the character and they're like, "Oh, this is Khan," you're like, "No, it's not." Like, just yeah. make another thing. Yeah. Just come yeah. up with something else. You know who had no problem making other things is Michael, um, uh, the guy uh, from start who did Next Generation, all the shows. Michael Westmore. Keller. No, Michael Westmore, the alien. Yeah, guy. yeah the like, makeup effects. He yeah. had no problem creating new and interesting creatures well, every that's, time. And that's, I guess, what I meant by um, 
the second movie was a little too cannibalistic to me because Star. This is just me. Star Trek is about moving forward yeah. and not just a constant nostalgic experience. Sure. Um, uh, and that, that's essentially what you're saying. Yeah. You know, what's, yeah. what's new in the frontier? You know? yeah, yeah. Like just keep exploring, keep showing us new and amazing things. Like, yeah. you know, I felt after too, that we, we just talked about in the first one, how they brilliantly set it up where it's this alternate timeline. And it's like, you've already taken all that effort to make it different. And now you're going to retread for about two thirds of the next movie stuff that you've already done. Yeah. yeah, completely. Now I have a not to be too much like that SNL sketch with William Shatner where people ask him a bunch of nerdy questions. Uh, too late. There's an episode of Voyager where you have The Rock on and he fights mm-hmm. Seven of Nine in an arena and it's pretty cool. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And, and I have I'm wondering, to see this. did that I, come I together where you one. you had this idea for a story where Seven of Nine was going to fight a giant guy and you're like, hey, let's get The Rock? Or was like you were both on UPN at the time, SmackDown and Voyager, where they're like, hey, we got The Rock if you ever want him for Star Trek. And you're like, what can we do with The Rock? Like, how did that come together? Well, the <clears throat> one of my favorite movies growing up, I shouldn't say one of my favorite, but an, a movie that influenced me was Rollerball. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Love yeah. James Conn. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I wanted to do a rollerball like story, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with, that had great action and some social commentary. And when the script came out, uh, yes, the UPN was had the wrestling, mm-hmm. and um, they want wanted The Rock to get into acting. I, it may have been his first. It acting. It might have been his first thing. Yeah, uh, that's so cool. And, that's uh, cool. And he was he was just the right. Choice. He was and he was great. He's great. He was great. Yeah, he's yeah. very, really good. At, he's actually a pretty good actor, and he's a very charming guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just rewatched. Oh, um, he likes to be called Dwayne, not The Rock. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Wait, Sorry, I, I, Dwayne. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to offend Dwayne. Actually, so yeah. I apologize. Uh, he's I right just, behind you, man. <laughs> I just rewatched uh, um, the movie that he did with John Travolta. That it was the sequel to Get Shorty. I think. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, movie? I saw that in the theater. Uh, I forget the name of it, but I saw it in the theater when it I came out. Just rewatched it. He's yeah. in that, and he's uh, hilarious. I, I loved in him it. in San Andreas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really fun, crazy thing to watch. I too. loved that movie. Oh god, it had good. It was. It was, it was brutal too. Yeah. Like it people was, are dying and buildings are falling off. Disaster people. movies are fun. It's yeah, fun, fun to watch. It, it paid, they, yeah. they, they paid off. The earthquake sequences were great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. What <laughs> have really you seen? Uh, what have you seen recently? Is there any movies you've seen recently that you're a fan of? It's like asking for a restaurant recommendation. For the can't, I'm blanking out. <laughs> no. Um, um, but like, did, would do? Did you see? Uh, did you watch Force Awakens? Did you see yeah, Star Wars? When, of course I did. What did you? How did you feel about that? I loved it. Yeah, it was a blast. I mean, I had some similar feelings about Han Solo. I I thought he was so such a vibrant aspect of that movie. I, I would have liked to have seen him in the next one. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah, I um, uh, I thought it was it, it captured just the perfect balance of. It felt like a Star Wars movie. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, it he, really he did. did. Yeah. yeah, they they did it. They did it right mm-hmm. on every level. Now, do you have any cool memorabilia that you took home from oh, all this time? Like, what do you have at question. home? Uh, it, you know, <clears throat> I am so regretful that I didn't get a box of phasers or something. Um, oh, man. Uh, that it was a Christie's auction house did a Star Trek auction a few years ago. 
Yeah. Where did you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. They were getting like Picard's Just flute ridiculous. from the movie, yes. the, yeah. the inner light. Oh, that's went for like forty oh. thousand dollars. Oh. oh my god! That's and so I, cool. I could have grabbed that. You could have had, had all that. I could have had it. The, on, the only if thing... I were you, I'd have had a whole armory in my house <laughs> of just different weapons and exactly flutes and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I the only thing I grabbed was a severed Borg head. Um, from, there was an episode where the Borg Queen was decapitated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's I, pretty cool. I, I took, and that's, that's in my good. office yeah. right now. As a matter of fact. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. I would have that on the front lawn just to ward <laughs> off other you know, burglars and stuff. Just scarecrow, scareboard. <laughs> and now, you know, who's to say, you wrote the show, you're the executive producer. Just go buy a bunch of flutes. Put them on eBay. That is the way to do it. So there you go. Fraud. Did you get a lot of pushback? I know there's issues that have that were known with the uniforms, especially next generation. They actually called the Picard maneuver when he always pushes uniform down. Did you take that into account for things you did later on in Voyager and then in Enterprise? Yeah, you know the, who else did that? Yosemite Sam. <laughs> oh, yeah. did he really? Yeah, he'd get like right when he was getting ready to. That's right. You know, <laughs> draw or whatever. Tootin'. Yeah, draw. No, but you know, over the years, the uniforms got perfected. You know, they yeah. were really uncomfortable jumpsuits initially. And then they went to the two-piece thing. It, it, the only real costume that was um, kind of difficult and controversial was Seven of Nines mm-hmm. costume. You know, yes. Trying to justify why this woman is wearing essentially a Vegas showgirl outfit with high heels. <laughs> God um, bless her. Yeah. I was able to justify it. <laughs> so was when, I. When it was, I watched it. It was a dermaplastic garment, meaning it was repairing her body. Yes. That, was, that was the uh, Somehow making it better. Yeah, already was. <laughs> so, like, improving what was, on perfection. What was your relationship like? Let's just go through some cast people. Can we talk about? Did you have relationships with any of the people that you worked with? Can we talk about cast people that you you worked with? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm stuttering at that point. Is that <laughs> did right? you talk to the cast? Yes, <laughs> he yes, 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 he, he knew who they were. Is there a surprise guest coming? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just uh, what? what let's it's talk, Lavar Burton. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about um, about Patrick Stewart. Yeah. What was that relationship like? You know, I think this is just my perception. Sure. Um, Patrick was a, is a brilliant actor. And he, he was brilliant. I mean, I always say Star Trek is only a Star Trek shows is only as good as its captain. Mm-hmm. And he was a great he played a great captain. Um, but I think he looked at this 25 year old fledgling writer writing his dialogue and I, I i don't think he really knew what to make of me right. as the years went by um uh we eventually developed a good relationship i think i wrote the first episode he directed um but initially i i don't think we, we we really didn't have any kind of relationship i ran into him at a star trek convention in london about three years ago and he couldn't have been nicer uh, he's, yeah. he's a well, really... by his own admission, he said he was very strict and very, like, hardcore in the first season or so and then kind of lightened up after that. Yeah, yeah. Did you experience any of that? Or? Well, look, I was terrified to even talk to him. <laughs> I mean, oh, I... Sure. I, 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 did, you I know, would imagine, you know, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the cast members I became friendly with were uh, Frakes and uh, Brent Spiner. Mm-hmm. So the least and I still terrifying. T- I still t- stay in touch with the with. Have you ever Brent. heard? Me and uh, Brent Spiner did a uh, a musical charity event together where we sang show tunes together. Oh, nice! I love that guy. <laughs> He's a very talented singer. 
Yeah, incredible. He's very good. Yeah, he is. Yeah, we, where, was, where was that? It was at uh, uh, the M Bar. Right? You were there, right? I wasn't were, there you, for that one. Were you there? No, no. It I was would, at um, you invited me. I think I did. It was at um at this place here in Hollywood. It was like a Catalina Barn Grill. That's what it was. Uh, the Catalina, yeah. not the Catalina wine mixer. Not the Catalina <laughs> wine mixer. Which, by the way, is is big for helicopters. Um, it was <laughs> it was uh this great uh place called Catalina Wine Bar or something and and uh we were performing a charity for children with autism and down syndrome and it was like a, a big charity event he was on the charity event and so was i and so was jason alexander and the Who best was great part, in star trek voyager by the way amazing by the way <laughs> he's, jason, a, he's a huge star trek fan oh yeah, yeah. jason and katie seagal was on ah, there as well wow. he's a very talented it was a great night it's a huge was, what were you doing deal. there? I was singing. I was one of the singers on the show. Was, I all sang, these people uh, with huge. I don't know. Credits. We were all singing uh, uh, Disney, like Disney stuff. Is for... that when you did the Under the Sea mashup with somewhere up there? <laughs> no, or the, no, no. Somewhere that's green. It wasn't that night. It was. I I sang uh, an Elton John song. That's when okay. the Elton. That's when Elton's people invited me to to meet him and. Oh, cool. And he kissed me on the yeah, cheek. Because he was actually, I don't know if you know this, but Steven actually was Shrek in Shrek the Musical on Broadway. So he actually can sing. Like, I'm a, I, I did it. Well, I played Shrek for DreamWorks in Shrek the Musical for two years, helping them to workshop and get the show ready for Broadway. And then I left to come out and do um, uh, Big Time Rush on Nickelodeon for like five years, a kid, a kid TV show. But when, but, I continue doing the musical stuff, like whatever I can. I'll try to do a song or do something and something. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. But uh, but yeah, it was a it was Brad Ellis, who's the musical director of Glee. It was him. He put the night together, and it was me, Katie Segal, Brent Spiner, and Jason Alexander to close the show. And Jason Alexander came out on stage in a tuxedo with a fanny pack, <laughs> and he had a bright pink fanny pack on the on the side on his side and we were like what the fuck is going on with this fanny pack and i said i we said to him after the show i go that's uh, really funny with the fanny pack and he goes what do you mean <laughs> go, you know with the fanny pack it's funny it's like a funny bit and he goes this is where i keep my keys and my wallets and they're very uh very helpful and he was not joking he was very serious about the fanny pack but uh but yeah it was ridiculous and brent spiner i think sang something from uh from like Miss Saigon or something. The guy's amazing. He's got an amazing voice. Yeah. It was great. It was a nice, uh, nice night. Um, what about LeVar Burton? What was, what was LeVar like? He seems like he'd be a nice. Oh, LeVar is great. And he, he, I, I always thought he was one of our better directors. He, he was a very talented yeah. director and, uh, I, I love LeVar. He directed on Enterprise a lot, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've tried to hire him on other things, but he's never available. LeVar was great. Um, mm -hmm. let's talk about, um, Let's talk about uh, Star Trek Voyager. Um, at Star Trek Voyager, you had Kate Mulgrew, mm -hmm. who is killing it right now on Orange is the New Black. Yep. She's amazing. Yep. Such a talented Very happy for her. People. Mm -hmm. what, what was she like to, to work with? Well, you probably know <laughs> that she wasn't the original Captain Janeway. Yeah. Uh, we cast Jean-Vivre Bougeot as Captain Janeway. I was a huge Bougeot fan because I, I loved uh, the movie Coma and and I loved uh, um, I can't remember the Alan Rudolph Choose Me and she was in a bunch of great movies and uh, I remember my partner Rick Berman saying this is a huge mistake this woman's never done television before I think she shot for two days 
before. Oh, as as wow. Captain Janeway, um, yeah. and uh, I think there's one of the DVD sets might even have Has those. Has a clip from that? I think. Yeah. yeah, it it was a disaster. She, it was it was bad. Uh, well, she recall, wasn't right for it. I recall hearing also that the Bionic Woman was Lindsay Wagner. Yeah, that hmm. that she was up for it at one point. No, Is that true? That's not true. Oh, okay. Um, someone lied to me. Someone <laughs> lied, lied to you, buddy. You know, I I, I, I I certainly don't. I was. I wasn't maybe I wasn't aware of it, but I. Oh, okay. um, but uh, Mulgrew uh, was always in the running, and she came in, and you know she kind of you can't imagine anyone else playing the role. Oh, God, she's, she's so great! So great! Yeah, we're we're really good friends with Tim Russ, who's yeah, Tim who Russ. was on the show. What well, was he's a he's such a cool I'm guy. St- yeah, I I have dinner with Tim from time to time. I run into him on Larchmont all the time. Okay. A we, funny thing, yeah. we we met Tim Russ and he was with his daughter at this event we were at, and we talked to his daughter, and she said she's never seen an episode of Star Trek, and I was like, you, you have, have to. You, I mean, her father was also in an episode of Next Generation. He was in the movie Star yeah. Trek Generations. Uh, yeah. great actor that that happens a lot in Star Trek where you have somebody and they're in like a minor role somewhere and then like three years later they're a regular on the series yeah. in other parts like it seems like people Renee tend Bergeron to pop up a lot, a lot. Yeah, we yeah. always like Tim we always yeah. like yeah. him I like that you that you brought up Generations because that gets us into talking about uh, the death of Captain Kirk yeah so well, two of my two of my favorite people to talk about William Shatner and, uh, and oh, Leonard, you have the Nimoy. best William we, Shatner story. Uh, do you do you have? Do you mind if I tell you my William Shatner story? Uh, because I, I have one. Do you have a story about William Shatner? I'll think. I'll think <laughs> while you're <laughs> talking. Okay, I'm going to tell you my story about William Shatner. So, um, so we shot Big Time Rush. This uh, show I was on for like five years. We shot that at Paramount on stage 27 and 28, which is where they shot uh, some of Star Trek. Was shot on our stages and. And shot, you know, they shot all over Paramount. I actually got to go. This is a this is gonna be kind of a weird story, but I got to go with my uh, grandmother and my grandfather, who have both passed on, uh, to Paramount Pictures when I was eight years old to go to the set of Family Ties. That was like the big yeah, deal. that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal, right? And um, the reason we got to go is because my grandmother's brother was the insurance guy who created the insurance for Gene Roddenberry's brain for him to be his brain to be insured. The guy who he was the same guy who had insured uh Liberace's hands. Fred Astaire's legs. And Fred Astaire's legs. Madonna's boobs. Yes. <laughs> a bunch of other people. But he that's what he did. He was like an he was insurance a body part guy. insurance guy. I guess. Right. So long story short, we're there. I'm there taping the show. I go outside and William Shatner is sitting outside on a golf cart and I go, oh my God, it's William Shatner. I got to go over and talk to him. This is amazing. And I walk over and I go, Mister, in front of everyone from the cast, right? That's all in my show. I'm like, Mr. Shatner, I'm such a big fan. It's really cool to meet you. Um, I came to this when I was eight years old. My mom, grandmother's brother made insurance. You, and he's like, what? And I'm like, you have, you're the best. Um, is it okay if I get a picture with you? And he goes, uh, no, meeting me's enough. <laughs> and then drove away. And then he walked away, like got into his golf cart and drove away. Right. Yeah. And I was like, shit. And I turn around and the entire cast of my show has watched this happen. And for the next four years, they would turn to me and be like, I'd be like, Hey, let's all get a picture. And they'd be like, no, no, no meeting, meeting us is enough. You know, they just give me shit for it. Right. Okay. So years go by, years go by. And, um, I'm with my mom at the, um, 
this this horse park in Burbank, the Equestrian Center, mm-hmm. and they're having a big charity event. And who's the host for the night? William Shatner. Okay, and so we're like, wow, this is gonna be so cool. My mom's really excited because William Shatner's there. And um, the the night ends, and um, we go outside, and he's sitting in his car with the car running, and he's texting on his phone. And my mom goes, "I'm gonna go tell him that he did a great job tonight hosting the event." And I go. Mom, you know, he's it, it, probably not the best. She's like, just we'll just go over and say quick hello. And I go, all right. And I go, uh, hey, Mr. Shatner, this is my, my mom. We met in the, on the Paramount lot. And he goes, uh-huh. And my mom goes, I just wanted to tell you, I think you did a wonderful job tonight. And I love the fact that you're always working so hard to make. And with that, he goes, yeah, takes his foot off the brake and drives away while she's still talking. I was like, my mom goes, don't ever tell anyone that story. Ever and by the way, those stories are much better than an autograph and a photo with him. Oh, by it far. is, one hundred percent. Because better. I met Nimoy backstage at a show, and I like he was like, "Oh, nice to meet you. Here, let me yeah. shake hands with you." Blah blah blah. It was super nice, but that was like that's the end of the story. Yeah. You know, like like the Shatner. Anytime I have a Shatner story, anytime I have any sort of interaction with him, it's always something it's the best. horrendous and ridiculous. <laughs> I embarrass myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I when we were writing writing um, generations. And we had a meeting. Shatner had read the first or second draft. <clears throat> and I don't remember specifically what was said, but I remember he was giving some notes and I pushed back a little on a note and he did the Kirk voice mm-hmm. really? and, and like snapped me back like an, like an incense. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my um, God. You know, a, a fan factoid, mm-hmm. uh, we had a, serious discussions with Shatner about doing Enterprise, about reprising Kirk on Enterprise. And we had a whole storyline worked out uh, that we worked out with Bill, but he wanted too much money. Really? Yeah. That's too bad, man. Um, That would have been awesome. Yeah. I felt I I, I would have just sent back UPN. That's (laughs) we only have so much. We'll go broke. I mean, he he wanted a lot of money. I mean, it was, uh, but uh, I felt like I want, I, I needed to do another Kirk story because his death was so lame. It really was. Um, yeah. it, it was. It was really lame. It was even lamer before we reshot it. But uh, I, I've always thought that that should the captain should have died on the bridge, not under the bridge. Yeah. And, and in fact, I got to tell you, I've told this story before, but you know, the, when Ron Moore and I got asked to write the movie, one of the things we would talk about is like the poster should be. Kirk's Enterprise and Picard's Enterprise locked in battle. Yeah. Yeah. And cut to two years later, it's them scrambling eggs together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't quite turn out Not the exactly. way it was. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah I, I totally get that. Um, and also, they had set up, I forget exactly which movie it was in, but they were on a, Kirk and Spock and McCoy were on a camping trip, and they were mm-hmm. talking about death. And they'd asked him about something that had happened, and they were like, well, were you afraid? That's the row, row, row your boat scene. Yeah, and he goes, were you afraid that you were going to die? And he's like, no, because I know when I die, I'll be alone. And it was like, well, when he died, he wasn't alone. (laughs) He was, you know, with 
the captain of the next enterprise and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's a you terrible know. movie, that fifth one. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> that, the, the that's cap, part five. The, yeah. the, the row, yeah. row, row your boat scene is actually the best scene of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Because then they had the thing with the boots and he's flying up the cliff. Right, yeah. Is. I think that's what they were asking him if he was yeah. afraid to die about. But yeah. yeah. All right, well, uh, now we've come to the point in the show. By the way, I, oh, w- yeah, I want to sure. say. Please. I think one of the reasons you're bothered about Han Solo's death. Oh, yeah. Beyond just the character dying, and one of the reasons Kirk's death was lame, they were killed by care. They were killed off by people you just met. Yeah, there was some, it wasn't a long-standing it, enemy. It, it yeah. wasn't. It was. It, I think that as a result, they're lacking something. Like you know what? And you bring up. You brought something up when you were talking about Kirk dying on the bridge that I felt equally about Han Solo, where it was like, I feel like if he dies, the Millennium Falcon should die with him. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're both. Both of those characters are yeah. very much attached to the ship that they command, you know. Yeah, it that's uh, such a such a solid point, you know, because if it had been like, you know, the emperor or it had been, you yeah. know, like a character that we've seen Bobo Fett came back and blew him up or something, you know, yeah. it'd be a different story. Greedo but, gets revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Greedo just shows up like, I'll shoot second. Or, you know, or, just, you know if, if he flew the Millennium Falcon into a ship to, to sacrifice yeah, himself yeah, exactly. to save yeah, some great. noble death like that. Yeah. Absolutely. But instead, we got like uh, the guy from Girls. His millennial yeah. son. Which is not fair. Darth By Millennial. The only him. plot issue I had with that movie was Princess Leia says, you know, bring our son home. Right. It's like, yeah. but your son is Hitler. Yeah. yeah, your son killed your billions of people yeah. just in this yeah. movie. Right. Yeah. So you just mean bring him ago. home yeah. to stand trial, trial for yeah. war crimes? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I don't know. That was the only the only dialogue in the whole movie. I saw the movie three times, and the first time I saw it, I was upset about Han Solo. Second time I saw it, I like picked the whole movie apart and was like, the dialogue between Leia, Princess Leia, and, uh, or uh, you know, uh, uh, Leia. Like, like and- when I saw it, and I was like, how did BB-8 get back up the staircase? Yeah, how did that exactly, happen? Exactly. <laughs> how is he doing this? I don't get it. And we just had like, there was like a, bu- a bunch of things like that where I was like, the conversation between Solo and Leia in that in that in that movie, a lot of their conversation, I did not like the dialogue, and I thought it was weird and it seemed off putting and, and rushed, like way too rushed. And then the third time I saw it, I was like, I love everything that just happened. Like, I just really <laughs> yeah. enjoyed it. I went and saw it in the biggest IMAX at, at the Chinese, and it was like in 3D, and it was just massive. It's an and it's an epic, epic. And I have a BB 8 that rolls around my apartment and, and beeps. And <laughs> but doesn't go upstairs. Does not go upstairs. We yeah. did not have stairs in the place. Now, uh, to switch gears a little bit. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Hang on, hang on. We are going, we are going to uh, jump to a little section that I like to call Stuff. That's not Star Trek. <laughs> Star. That's not Star Trek. All right, uh, let's uh, let's because cool, I want to ask about Cosmos. <laughs> All so. right, hang on, hang on. Mission Impossible Two. You wrote the story from Mission Impossible Two. Is this what happened? Is this real? Yeah. Well, we we ended up a story. Ron Moore and I actually did like seventeen drafts of the script oh, uh, wow. before we God. had to walk walk away to go to our day jobs on television. And Robert <laughs> Town took over and um did a fair amount of work to it but we we ended up getting story credit did you uh did you work with tom like yeah yeah we spent he produced did he produce those or he was a i don't remember um, i think that's the movie he started his production company with i I, we ron and i um spent a lot of time with tom working out the story of this movie he was very very involved 
in in the development of the script. That's so cool. I, he's a he's a really interesting guy. Was he a good guy to super, spend time with? Super smart. Yeah, super yeah. smart. Um, very nice, and just uh, you know that that we based that story on a movie called Notorious, an Alfred Hitchcock movie, mm-hmm. uh, which is my which is my favorite movie. Great film. Um, I love those Mission Impossible movies. They get crazier and crazier. And yeah, more. I, I got you know out of all the Tom, the Tom Cruise those movies, I, I still like the first one. Yeah. I actually yeah. thought the Brian De Palma one was really yeah. pretty great. Yeah, it yeah. really was. Yeah, yeah when he John takes Boyd the, yeah when he the, takes the face off at the end and yeah. uh, and then the the repelling from the ceiling stuff, all that stuff was so yeah. cool. That was awesome. I think it's the one that was closest to what the TV show was. Yeah, in terms of the, the well, feel of but it. But you know what? The, the, a lot of Mission Impossible fans had a problem in that the team was killed off. Yeah. In the first ten minutes, so yeah. it was yeah. just him alone. But I thought, I, but he put a, get together another team, right? Yeah, yeah he good. did. Um, but I like the sequence, the dual version of what happened to the team from that first. Uh, uh, when when John Boyd's know. telling the story, yeah, that exactly. was very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. I really cinematically. That. Yeah. I, I uh, thank you. I agree. Yeah, uh, you wrote on twenty four. How long did you did you write on that the whole time or just no? For some I of it? I did it the last the the season seven and eight, the final two seasons. What, oh, cool. what was it like joining a a show like that? That's such a that pace of that show. Well, man, a, a guy named Manny Cotto I had brought in on Star Trek, and he worked on it for the last two years of Enterprise, and um, actually ran the final season. And then he asked me to come over to twenty four when I was done at Paramount. And it, I loved the show. I, I adhered yeah. to it immediately. You know, such a good it, show. Good, just really a good thriller. Yeah, no, yeah. that cast is. Uh, it was a blast to do. They're so they're so awesome. And uh, Mary Lynn Ricegub, who is a stand up comic, we perform. Who's done her. our show? She's she's yeah. uh, well, she's I think she's doing our show. She's doing our show. She's uh, a hilarious comedian. We work with her constantly in stand up. And she was so amazing on that show. Yeah, too. she was great. Um, I actually I saw I went and saw a woman. One, she had a one woman or a, some kind of comedy one woman show at one oh, yeah. time. Oh yeah, yeah. She's um, a hilarious comedian. We see she performs at the at the comedy store like on a like a almost yeah. nightly basis. She's yeah. almost always it, so. There. Is this so? It's the comedy store in this place, really? Well, yeah. There's the. I mean, are, are they the, the competitors or they're the, yes. Yeah. The, the comics will work anywhere that we get the stage time. But I mean, there's a good. I mean, there's probably the big three clubs the in big. in the center of Los Angeles. You got the Laugh Factory, the Improv, the Comedy Store. Then you also have the Ice House in Pasadena. Right, is very well regarded. And then after that, there's a bunch of like other clubs: Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach. Sure, then sure. you get to certain the, other ones like the, the J Spot is more niche. The Irvine Improv. Yeah, I mean, there's so, yeah. probably a good fifteen almost full-time comedy clubs in the Southern California area, if you but added everything up. You got yeah. the main three are Laugh Factory, yeah. Hollywood Improv, and, and the Comedy Store. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's an interesting... The, the Wait, dynamics this, is, this is the this Comedy is, Store. No, this is the this Improv. Is this is the Improv. Laugh Factory is on Sunset? Yes. yes. And so comedy, comedy Store is also on Sunset. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the comedy... The, the Improv is like... It's it's interesting. The shows they do at the Improv in the just in the last few years are like really interesting, subversive, like you know, strange, oddball type shows with like really interesting people. Bobcat Goldthwait has a show here every month that's like super strange and really cool. And they do um, uh, that show. What's what's the show called? Where um, where they give set list? They do Paul Provenza's yes. set list here, which is a show where like comedians it's improvised. Have to, like, 
Yeah, they have to improvise a stand-up set based on a set list that like pops up behind them on the screen wow. during the show. That's cool. And then our show is here once a month, which is a live late-night show uh, that uh, called the Nighttime Show. And so we do that here once a month with like some of the biggest comics in the world, and it's it's super. super and that fun. one, like they get to do their set, and then we kind of force improv onto them. <laughs> yeah, we like force them into an force awkward situation, things, yeah. games and yeah. uh, and and interviews and we have usually a death metal band uh as our house band and it's <laughs> yeah. it's really fun. It's a really it's, nice. uh, it's a really good time. Um let's talk about Flash Forward, which um did you create <clears> the show? Is it, were you a creator on the show? Yeah, yeah. I did I I did uh I wrote the pilot with David Goyer. Oh, okay. Who does the, the the just Batman, did, just the wrote Bad, Batman just movies. wrote the new Batman Superman movie. Um, wow. And I, yeah, I we wrote the pilot and I produced the pilot. But then I, I was on twenty four at the time, so I, I couldn't go beyond that. Hi, I'm Gilbert Gottfried. Because let's be honest, who in their right mind would claim to be me if they weren't? I want to tell you about my hilarious podcast, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, right here on the Sideshow Network. Each week, me and my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, talk to movie stars, comedians, singers, directors, and other entertainers about classic Hollywood. Sometimes they even answer us. If you didn't catch the name, that's Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast every Monday and Thursday named by the Village Voice as the best podcast of 2015. Download, rate us, and subscribe on iTunes or check us out on sideshownetwork.tv slash Gilbert Gottfried. Like, I'm, I was looking through some of your credits and, and looking at, you know, Flash Forward and Threshold and Terra Nova and, and even now with, uh, with Salem. Well, those were all shows that only lasted one season. <laughs> yeah, right. But they're all really interesting. It's brilliant how you did that. How you got them. <laughs> but to, they're really to each last one season. <laughs> I wish that was the plan. But you, um, when you look at a show like Terra Nova and you're like how how did how do you put together a show like this where you're like yeah it's dinosaurs and it's people and well, it was a I night mean, it was it was a nightmare. That's it was a nightmare show to do. Um, how how so? Because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of that show. I thought it was a really cool show. Um, well, thanks for saying so. Uh, it was just a tough premise. Um, you know, it's, it, take, it, it takes place in the about. It's futuristic people living in the past. So you have to make everything from scratch. There's there's just like mm-hmm. literally nothing. It, it all has to be built. And I just the premise was challenging a little bit. Um, and and you know. On a television budget, you just can't really do dinosaurs as well as you would like. But the, I thought the show found itself eventually, and I was kind of sad to see it go. Well, I love shows like that that are like e- extremely – they like go way outside the box. And they're just uh, – Flash Forward is and was another show that was like way outside the box. It's like this is a show where people uh, – they, they know like two minutes of their future – 
and that's it. Mm-hmm. And everyone on Earth knows two minutes. And it's like, like, like starting. Like you start with that. Like that's like fascinating. What a fascinating way to start a show. And yeah. same thing with Twenty Four. Like working on a show like Twenty Four, where you know you, you you know it's it's all taking place in real time. Is these yeah, are they're that was very a- difficult shows. Yeah, but those are the fun ones. Yeah. Those are the fun ones. That's so cool. What That's shows awesome. are you watching currently that you're not involved in? Like, what do you like to watch? Um, you know, I don't watch a lot of television. Um, it's are, very, are you a fan of Treehouse Masters? Because that's my favorite show on TV. <laughs> um, <right now. laughs> I actually do like that show. And I I, if I, it, it's hard for me to sit and stare at a television. Like okay, I mean, yeah. I, I, I spend a lot of time in the editing room. Yeah, uh, as part of my job, and it just feels like I more can't. Work. I just can't watch any more TV. Yeah, uh, but I do watch a lot of um, reality TV. Like of yeah. all things, I don't cook. I I watch a lot of Food Network mm-hmm. shows. Really? <laughs> do you watch Chopped? Uh, oh yeah, I love Chopped. Chopped, great show. Uh, do you watch fact, uh, Cutthroat Kitchen? I saw the That's new good. one last night. Oh yeah, it was great. Uh, yes. But uh, <laughs> uh, I was a, a huge fan of a show called Restaurant Impossible. Yeah. So, Love oh, it, Robert Irvine. Oh, he's so he's, great. He's, he's great. He's, he's Have you my, seen the ambush ones they're doing now? Yeah, but Irvine is one of my best buddies now. Oh, that's great! Wow, he's so cool. Oh my god, amazing. I will watch any show where a British person yells at Americans to tell them to fix the restaurant. <laughs> kitchen Impossible, the Kitchen Nightmares, Restaurant Impossible. There was a baking one with some English woman who was yelling at people oh, yeah. for a while. I watched yeah, that yeah. one too. Anything where British people yell at Americans, I'll watch. Yeah, that's um, so that's amazing. I, did you ever watch uh, Cupcake Wars? Yeah, you ever see Cupcake Wars. Mm-hmm. I was a judge on Cupcake Wars. You were. I was a I was a guest judge, oh, and I got fun. to eat sixteen cupcakes in yeah. one day. And by the way, he's and then kosher. I died of diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen is kosher, and the first cupcake they gave him had uh, barbecued pork on it. Yes, on it was the a cupcake, barbecued like... pork cupcake <laughs> on cream cheese. It was Did, a cream well, cheese. You, you ate it, right? I, uh, you know what? I pretended to eat it. <laughs> I nibbled around it. I actually, it was really funny. I looked at the producer and I went, I can't. And she went, just eat it. <laughs> that was her actual words. My, my just thing, I, eat it. I wish it was said that day. Shut my favorite up. thing. We, we asked one of the people. hardcore at the Food Network. Yeah, they're like, whatever. <laughs> Put whatever. it in your gullet. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing was uh, we were there, and there was like a woman who was like, like sort of uh, assisting you that day. Right. We asked her like, oh, what other shows you work on? She's like, oh, I work on a lot of war shows. We're like, oh, really? Like stuff about like uh, like World War II or whatever? <laughs> right. she's, like, she's like, no, like uh, restaurant wars, cupcake wars. <laughs> cake wars. Cake wars. It was like, so oh, great. that kind of the war The real shows. wars. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I love those kind of shows. Yeah. I, they always make me want to eat a bunch of cupcakes or cakes after right. I watch them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, can we ask about Cosmos? Okay, I'm, hang I'm on. Let's. We, that's a special section. Okay, it's a very special section. Matt just lit up <laughs> like it was Tell Christmas me when you're morning. Ready. Are you ready? All right, it's time for a little spe- section called <laughs> "Is Pluto Still a Planet?" <laughs> is Pluto still a planet? Please tell us that Pluto is still a planet because it, it was a planet when I was a kid, and I'm sad to see it go. <laughs> it's not a planet. It's not a planet anymore. Thanks to Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Neil, the DeGrasse, Cosmos, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson was like, well, fuck <laughs> your planet. That's what he said. <laughs> it's not a planet. Let's put it to the, he, Pluto's still a Disney character. Yes. Oh, <laughs> man. Pluto's still a dog. But uh, no, the New Horizon probe just passed by and got a pretty, really good look at it. And yeah. it, it, it does not appear. It has some planetary features, but yeah. it's still... Mm. 
been downgraded. I saw <laughs> a great bumper sticker that just said, oh, come on, let Pluto be a planet. That's <laughs> so great. When, okay. So when, when Cosmos came up, how did that start? Because uh, you're listed as basically creator of the show along with these people, right? Or was it under the uh, Sagan Empire? Or? No, no. Uh, Andrewian, who, okay. who wrote the original with Carl. Um, it was Carl's wife. Yeah. His wife. Um, she, she wrote it. Um, I directed. The, okay. Uh, I was the direct. I directed, and um, and executive produced. That's such a great. Show. How do you? Do I like you know? that, Matt. That you said the Sagan Empire, which sounds like <laughs> it sounds villains from outer space. There should be a Sagan as Empire. It should, yeah, there, but, yeah, absolutely. But I, I have questions about that. So, how do you, as a director? Yes. Uh, there's a lot of like flashback scenes, the history in it, which I really appreciate. Yeah. And then yeah. you also have things which are clearly all CGI done with the, like, say, the cosmic calendar. Like, you know, when he's walking around, like, how do you physically shoot that kind of thing? Is it just him in front of a green screen reading some stuff, and then you have him walk around a little bit, and you well, the cosmic, how, like, drop How much in, of or? that is an actual set, and how much of that well, is the co- not? Well, the Cosmic Calendar was a very sophisticated virtual set, and on we shot it on a really large green screen, like the largest green screen space I've ever seen because I wanted to be able to have him walk long distance. Yeah. Cause it's a huge yeah. and, distance um, he walks. And, uh, but, and I was able to do the, there was a technology that allowed me to see a rough composite of the cosmic calendar and him on it on a monitor. So mm-hmm. I was like, it was like I was actually filming there, Wow! but it was very, um, very complicated. Mm-hmm. I know. And I want, I wanted to get up really high so he'd be really small um, but yeah, it was, but it was a green screen. Can I tell you like uh, a funny thing about the first time I was watching a clip from Cosmos on my phone, a guy I didn't know came up behind me and, and he starts watching it with me and he goes, are they remaking star hustler? <laughs> Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Star Hustler. I'm not. I'm not familiar with it. Star Hustler was a PBS show with an old, like an astronomer who looked like Paul Bearer from the WWF. He had like a mustache and, and he wore like a members only jacket. It was really low budget stuff. But they would have like the planet Saturn and him just standing on the rings of Saturn. And he'd be like, now remember next month, uh, Jupiter is in... Uh, Full bloom in the sky. So you're going to want to mark your calendar for that. And I nearly dropped my knees laughing because I I thought I was the only guy who watched this shit. And this other guy that I'd never met before looked at Neil deGrasse Tyson walking around space and was like, they're remaking Star Hustler. Oh, my God. That's so Now you have to Google it when you get home because it's ridiculous. (laughs) How did he end up being the guy? Was there any other choice or was it Neil deGrasse Tyson the whole time? Well, but... Uh, when I came in, he was already. A, a, it was actually Seth, McFar- Seth MacFarlane who had lunch one day with with Neil and mm-hmm. wanted to get involved in science somehow. And Neil said, "Well, we're trying to get this Cosmos show on the air." It's like you could spend six years and get a PhD, or you could work on Cosmos. And so yeah. Seth brought it to Fox, and then um, uh, Seth eventually asked me to come on. And uh, are you friends with Seth? Yeah, yeah, we've been friends a long time. Oh my god! Oh, um, How funny uh, is he in real life? Just does he do the voices all the time? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> have you have you had him do I, like a voicemail for you in in Stewie's voice? No, because that's what I'm I would not, do. If I was friends with. No, I, 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 <laughs> that's I, why I'm not friends I'd with him. Probably get does the voice. Sh- the Shatner response. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, but um, 
I lost my train of thought what I was going to say, but, uh, oh, we're doing, uh, oh. oh, you can't say that. All right. Well, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll, I'll, well, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll stop you for one second. Uh, Seth MacFarlane incidentally dated, uh, Ashley green from twilight. Nobody knows this. This is a secret. Uh, we're I'm revealing to you right now. <laughs> guess, uh, guess what? Uh, Ashley green from twilight did not know she was dating Seth MacFarlane for a whole week. <laughs> of them dating for one week. How does she not know? What she just thought mean? she she had no idea. She thought he was a magician. Oh, she didn't know what he was. Oh, okay. She, she knew him. she was dating him. She didn't she know who he was. She knew she, she was met dating. Him. A she man. knew she was okay. dating a guy. She, yeah. she knew his name was Seth. She did not know Family Guy. Was not was <laughs> did not know what did not watch the show. Was not like a huge Family Guy fan. Did not recognize his name from that. And dated him for one whole week. And a week into it, she goes. Why do you have like so many like cartoons in your house? <laughs> he goes, um, because of the cartoon I do. And she goes, what do you mean? The cartoon you do? And he goes, it's f- called Family Guy. I'm the, I created a show called Family Guy. And she's like, oh, and he goes, did you not know who I was the whole time? And she goes, I thought you were, la- I thought you were like a magician or something. <laughs> and she, he was like, why? Why would you think that? And she goes, well, you were wearing a tuxedo when I met you. <laughs> that is a true story. That's a fair. That's, that's a pretty fair refreshing. Story. God bless Ashley How many Green. people do you meet in tuxedos? Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. She and they're met him either like, secret agents or magicians. And it wasn't like at a party. She met him wearing a tuxedo, like in an office. Like he was wearing it at an office somewhere. Now, so. to be fair, did he know who she was? Probably not. <laughs> Probably yeah. not. By Just, the way, worth noting, Seth's a huge Star Trek fan. Oh, oh wow! That, that's yeah. how we met, and um, I mean, like. He really and next gen especially. Yeah. Um, in fact, he was in two episodes of Enterprise. What? Really? Yep. I didn't know that. Find Did you know that? He, he, I remember that he was in. I can't tell you which ones, but he would play. Find an, him, listeners. He played and- an engineer, and and he in one he didn't have any lines, but then I gave him some lines in another one. He gets yelled at by the chief engineer or something. <laughs> How did that happen? Was that just... He was a fan and thought it would be fan. fun to put him on. He was also in Flash Forward. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. He, wow. he was. He would play, actually played a recurring character in that. He's a very talented guy. That um, guy's amazing. We should I do mean, a contest where like the, the first person who can send us a picture of him on Star Trek yes. wins win something. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you can go... Yeah, you can find it online very easily. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, oh. Let's let's uh, let's jump to uh, to Salem before we. I don't want to run out of time. Are you about, you're about to go shoot the? Can I say that that you're about to go yeah, shoot yeah. the the finale of the season? Yeah, the, the, we're uh, filming our third season. God, so that that is a scary show. That does that kind of take you back to your horror roots? Yeah, I mean, thing? I I always wanted to do horror was, and yeah. I finally got got. I'm getting to do it. So I'm getting out. I'm getting all, all my shit out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Oh, that's so much fun. What's that like? What's that like? What's that set like? Is it a good? We shoot in Louisiana. Uh, it, it's, it's, um, there's always something weird happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's either sex or murder or something. Like it's, oh. it's, a, it's a fun show. How did you come up with that? How did that come to be? Uh, Fox called me. Um, and said uh, we have this we have this writer who's never done TV, but it's an interesting take on the Salem witch trials. And I read his treatment for it, and I I just I re- re- realized this guy was absolutely brilliant. Wow! And uh, I wanted to work with him, and we cre- developed a show together. <clears throat> and it's um, when is this show airing? 
Um, uh, not sure. In about three weeks. Okay. So, uh, if you don't mind me saying, yeah, please. Salem, uh, uh, premiere third season premieres Halloween week. Oh, oh very awesome! Um, and um, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Oh, it's such a badass. Is it streaming anywhere? Show? Like which season? Uh, the first two seasons are on Netflix. Oh, great! That's uh, so great right, right now. So Netflix. catch up now. Yeah, yeah. God, That's Netflix awesome. has really changed the game a lot for uh, for television. Do you want to do more stuff with them? Have you have you wanted to develop something specifically for Netflix? It, uh, I, I, I would be happy to, um, I don't, I don't really, um, that's the studio's job to decide where stuff goes. I just, sure. yeah. I just make it up. Have you ever done, um, <laughs> uh, have you ever done sci-fi comedy? Have you ever gotten into, it's, into that it's funny you mentioned that I'm, it's something that I'm probably going to be getting into yeah? relatively okay. soon. Yeah. Oh, good. Cool. good. Like, what I do you think so. of galaxy quest, for example? Tim Allen, I mean, the, the, awesome. Yeah, that's okay. so. Dangerous. I mean, I, I I remember I went I went to the premiere of that movie, mm-hmm. and I thought this thing's going to be a massive hit, and I it wasn't. So and it, and yeah. it wasn't. It's kind of shocking it, that it didn't. It, it's, yeah. But it's well, become a, it's a cult hit. It's now. a, a yeah. huge cult hit. I, I I heard a rumor that someone was going to do a TV show. I've they heard are. that there is a sp- yeah. a spinoff coming. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a Broadway musical as well. There is really? a Galaxy yeah. Quest Broadway musical. Yeah. It was wow. yeah, that's a that's an amazing movie. Now, yeah. what do you think of there? The thing about Star Trek is the fandom is so intense, and people right. love it. And there's fan fiction of all of all sorts, but also there are fan films that have been made where there are actual series. Like there's Star Trek Continues, which is the continuing adventures of the original cast. There's about oh, four yeah. episodes yeah, of that, yeah. and then there's. Uh, I forget the name of the one, but there's one that actually Tim Russ and George Takei have actually appeared in right. where they reprise their roles or playing different characters. Like, do you have any thoughts on that as somebody who's created a lot of Star Trek and you look at these people who are sort of amateurs sort of trying to pick up different parts of these stories where they might have been left off and, and give some some more stuff to, to the fan base? What do you think of those? I think they're, they're great. I mean, mm-hmm. what's really mind-blowing is how – uh, could the like the visual effects mm-hmm. on these things I'm like yeah. are, yeah. are are amazing um it, it, but then the, then they're the actors the people playing the parts mm-hmm. you know it's just not yeah. not really yeah. they got yeah. they got to get the acting up to where <laughs> yeah. the visual effects yeah. are yeah. Like, yeah. Like, they, have, uh, they have grant from Miss Bu- from mythbusters play sulu what? in star trek continues really? grant Imahara. yeah oh my god that's yeah. fascinating it's a whole. It's a subgenre. Are, yeah. are oh, and James Doohan's son plays Scotty in that one as well. There is oh, a wow. star. There is a new Star Trek show that's coming out to television. Right? Is that happening? It's in development now. In it's development. in development. Yeah. Are you going to be a part of that? I I really can't be a part of it because I, with I have my deals with twentieth century, 20th century okay. Fox, right, and that's right. that's CBS. Um, They're also pushing. By the way, Michael Dorn is pushing for the Wharf Chronicles, which I'm also hoping might come about someday. Uh, and that's one that he's sort of been proposing as a show. It's just Worf. No, no, uh, it's a detective <laughs> it's, show. It's a detective show. He's a jazz. He's a jazz flutist, and uh, it's great. It's just him, angry Worf, jazz flutist that solves crimes. Let's it's, make it. Let's make the show. It's, it's Worf as a member of the CHP. He's going back to his chips routes. Michael yeah. Dorn was he on chips? Yeah. Oh Michael Dorn was on chips. Him and Eric Estrada yeah. solving crimes together. <laughs> I would watch in that the future with the Klingon makeup. Yeah. Absolutely, that sounds fantastic. Um, Did you ever appear in any of the Star Trek shows? Oh yeah, that's a good question. 
No. A little cameo here. I, there, I did. I did. I did a cameo in a uh, m- movie. Uh, I did called First Contact. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm in. The, there's a scene where Picard and Alfre Woodard escape into the holodeck, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sitting in a booth and on camera as they walk by. The problem is. <clears throat> when it's airs and it's not letterbox, it's I, pan and scan. I, you're not I, on I'm, there. I'm not in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man! Make sure to watch the letterbox version. Everything's 16 by now. All, everybody has widescreen HD. Now TV that style. that was the movie that had a young Tom Hardy. No, no, no. That was I didn't work on that one. That okay. was that yeah. was Nemesis. Yeah. Nemesis. That's what um, okay. But uh, that's when they got not as good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this is a little thing <laughs> we we on this show like to call. What's your favorite? Breakfast cereal. <laughs> what is your favorite breakfast cereal? <laughs> Stop it. I'm sorry. Do you have a favorite breakfast cereal? Life. Yeah? Life's a good one. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Life, that's a good one. Okay. It, it has that strange... Is it vanilla? What is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's got it, something. That's like my, and it stays cinnamon? crunchy. It's like, it has like these little um, vents good, yeah. in it, so it actually stays that's pretty like crunchy. That's like my third favorite. After By the way, I will... I there. If I'm in the right mood, I will buy Lucky Charms and just eat the marshmallows oh, out of the so. straight okay. out of the box. They That's call the that best. death. <laughs> it's just, just death cereal. Just, <laughs> just cereal. marshmallows. It's Steven not doesn't believe me when I tell him that my favorite cereal is grape nuts, which is but, uh, fucking bullshit. <laughs> all right, I'm with your, you. I'm with you. Grape, grape nuts. Come on. The, my really? rank is grape nuts, wheat checks, life, rice krispies. That's my top four, right there. Oh my god, grape nuts. Um, yeah. The, you got to eat it fairly soon because they get. Yeah. They, like you don't want them soggy. You no, know, you got to eat yeah. them. And in fact, I just found. Uh, I was watching the old Tonight Show. They show them on Channel Five Dot Two and Antenna TV. Johnny Carson Tonight Show, mm. and he had just talked on there. He was interviewing Buddy Rich at the time from like 1976 in this one episode. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how like they were going to have this guy who did Grape Nuts commercials in the 70s on and how like the audience applauded more for this guy from the Grape Nuts commercials. Yul <laughs> Gibbons. Yul Gibbons, yeah. Wow. And I'd never heard of him and I looked him up and I started watching these commercials on YouTube the other day and it's just he's like, I'm, I'm known as a nature expert. <laughs> Look at this cat of nine tails. Yes, you can eat it. But instead of eating that, you should eat grape nuts. It's oh all my, natural. It's oh got god. that nutty crunch. It is like, oh my god! It was, I was just like, this is an amazing commercial. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, <laughs> this is the world we were born into. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Mike. What's your favorite breakfast cereal? What do you eat? My, uh, it, it no longer exists. It was a cereal called Quisp. With oh, I like Quisp. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was good. And it was uh, little sugar corn bowls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the genius was when you poured milk on them, you had a bunch of little bowls of milk to eat. God, what and a brilliant, it was delicious! Did you pour more cereal in the little bowls? Uh, no, you would have had like to get one like rice crispy quisp or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that didn't, just like a... we didn't have the technology for what you wanted. Uh, mini, so it's like Russian mini, dolls of cereal. I, I'm bowls. pretty yeah. sure mini quisp was a, a Star Trek character. As well. <laughs> yes. Not positive. And, uh, um, right behind it is uh, just plain old Captain Crunch. Oh God! Doesn't that Man. scrape the roof? Yeah. Out? What is with that? It Why does. does it do that? Is that because it's really rough and hard? You it's know? painful to eat. It is uh, painful to eat. Deliciousness yeah. sometimes uh, requires <laughs> <sacrifice>. comes <laughs> at a cost. Yeah. <laughs> I got a I got a true story for you about the origin of uh, Captain Crunch. Oh what, yeah, I this love is, this. This is some real stuff. Um, the uh, do you know do you know Jay Ward Studios mm-hmm. the guys who yep. did Bullwinkle yep. Rocky Bullwinkle and stuff so uh, one of their artists from Jay Ward Studios got a phone call from the, the U.S. The, military yes and uh, and they said um, we would like you to come in and we have a serial that we're marketing to soldiers 
And it's a, it was like a breakfast food company that was working with the military. And they were like, we're making a breakfast cereal for the military. We want you to try it out. And um, he tried it out, and he was like, oh, God, it's horrible. <laughs> it cuts the whole roof of your mouth. It's like sliced up my tongue. It's horrible. What, well, what is this? And they go, well, we're trying to come up with a name for it. What do you, what do you think? And he goes, I don't know, like uh, Army Army." Like Army Crunch, crunch. Something, something like that. Like, and they were like, "Keep, keep going." And he was like, "I don't know, Sergeant Crunch, uh, Captain Crunch, uh, something." They were like, "Captain Crunch, that that could work." And they were like, "Can you draw a Captain Crunch?" And he was like, "Sure." And he drew the uh, the drawing of Captain Crunch, yeah. and they said, "Thanks. Here's a hundred dollars. Bye." And wow. he left, and then. He said uh, <laughs> about a year later, he walked into a grocery store and his drawing in full color now was on the box. There was no contracts. There was yeah. no suing. There was no none of that stuff. And uh, he said as a he's a, he was a, he's in his 80s now. And he was like, still to this day, I can't fucking look at that box. <laughs> I walk in, I see it. And it just it always gets me. It's like a hundred dollars. Do you want to hear me tie Captain Crutch back into technology? Please do it right oh now. Oh my god, yeah. make it happen. Did you know back in the in the sixties and seventies, before there was hacking, there was freaking, which is people used to hack the phone system. And in a Captain Crunch box, they gave out a whistle that was the captain's whistle. And it happened to actually operate at the right frequency where you could blow it into a phone and it would unlock the phone so you could like make free long distance calls and all kinds what? of party calls. Oh my god. And that's the kind of stuff that Steve Wozniak was into before he started making Apple computers. He was one of those phone freakers and all these guys that would get on these phone lines they had just ongoing with like people from Japan all over the world talking about how to hack the phone system and they all just got this whistle and they would just blow it into the phone and it had the right frequency and it would unlock all the features and that's why one of the main first hackers was this guy Captain Crunch and then uh, 59 hertz or 59,000 hertz was sort of a like a it's like an underground like clue that you know all about the hacking scene right wow Amazing. bring it back to technology and that's like why that. Matt Walker is here that's, that's why, why I'm the nerd on the show <laughs> um, alright this has been an absolute honor and a pleasure having you here that's fun. Right. what what comic cons do you do you go to are you a con guy have you been uh, yeah, to any I've, of these I've been going to uh, comic con for a, a long time um, and I'll be there with my Salem cast uh, uh, in At San Diego in San Diego awesome uh, don't have but we're definitely doing a panel, maybe some other things, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I go every year. That's so awesome. Okay. We're gonna we'll be down there. Oh, I think, will you? I think yeah. we may be doing we may be doing this show there. The show there. Which oh, would be great! Really cool. Yeah. So great. Yeah, if you're around, I'll come we'll, say hi. Yeah, please. Yeah. Oh my please. god, it'd be and amazing. we'll come say hi at the uh, Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, you, the fiftieth, right? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be huge. Like everybody's. Yeah. I heard this is the one where everybody's coming back that hasn't been in years and years. So yeah, oh, that's outrageous. Yeah, I love you it. should. Uh, this last summer was the f- first time the entire Voyager cast was on together mm-hmm. on stage at the same time, wow. and actually being civil to each other. <laughs> but that's did, for another, there, that's for another time. Now, can I ask you a question about that? Actually, uh, when Seven of Nine came on, it was when Kess left on the show. Uh, and was there sort of like, was it decided for her that she was going to leave or did she leave on her own and then you brought in this new character, Seven of Nine, or how did that work out? Um, we, we wanted to bring in a new character. The Jennifer Lean's character it kind of run its course mm-hmm. and we needed to make room. And her character was like going to die anyways. Yeah, and we needed yeah. to make room for a new cast member. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a budget. On the we show. only have so many dressing rooms. Exactly. That's... <laughs> so that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, she's so great. Jerry Ryan. 
who's Jerry who's Ryan. a friend Jerry also Ryan, yeah. and is super super cool. Um, amazing. Please uh, let people know where they can find you on the internet so they can find you and look you if up. If you want them to. If you want them to. <laughs> where they can um, – what's your, uh, I'm tw- what's your Twitter? Uh, Twitter right? is at Brandon Braga is my Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter. I, 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 need, I want more followers. <laughs> um, uh, we can get you more followers. We can make and, that happen. Uh, and I'm also on Facebook. Um, those are the only two social media things I do. But I like staying in touch – You know. Staying in touch with the fans mm-hmm. is a constant pleasure, you yeah, know, man. and um, it's it's a lot. It's it's really great to go to these conventions and yeah. just answer questions on Twitter and stuff. It's really that's the best. Well, I just followed you, Thank and you. I have to tell you one of my, one of dude, I called Stephen. I was so excited when yeah. Rick Berman followed me back on Twitter like a year ago, and I was like, Rick Berman just followed me. On <laughs> <laughs> he was very excited. Mike, well, where can they find you on the internet? I am all over the internet uh, at Mike Black Attack. <laughs> it sounds so gross when you say it like that. <laughs> you can find me somewhere on the internet. I'm on the internet. I'm, I'm on the internet. Pornhub.com. Yeah. Oh, God. No, don't I'm give them not. a shout don't. out. Please don't. No. Uh, don't, all right. Don't look for me there, everyone. No, please don't. Because what if you find me and I'll feel terrible? <laughs> it's going to be the worst. Yeah. Matt, what about you? Uh, you can go to uh, funnymat.com or if you don't like what I did today, just go to mattwalkersucks.com. Com and let me know there. Oh, God. And those are terrific. That's a real They're place. real stuff. Yeah. And you can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-E-P-H-E-N Glickman on Twitter and Instagram. Um, this was uh, an Amazing. absolute uh, honor and a, ple- yeah. a pleasure. Had fun. It was really cool. I'm happy I didn't stutter a bunch and get super nervous. Um, <laughs> no, it was super cool talking to you, man. Thanks Likewise. So Thanks, guys. Thank you, Thank you very much. Oh.